Welcome to Jukebox in Suburbia. This is Mick. How are you going out there, Suburbanites? This is Leroy. Out of lockdown. Out of lockdown. We are out of lockdown, which is pretty good. And this week we've got a special guest, Ben from Fiancés Fiancés. How you doing, Ben? Good, lads. Good. How are you? Excellent. Yeah, we're good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, doing all right. I'm excited to be out of lockdown too. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. It's probably the best news that's happened for a little while. We can actually see people, even though we're doing this virtually. We can actually go and see people again. It's just excellent. Arlo dropping some cheer noises and some clapping. Like, we finally did it. <laughs> we did. We did. Jukebox in Suburbia single-handedly ended the lockdown. That's what we do. We just bring happiness to people and have a good time, even through lockdown. <laughs> so tell me, outside of lockdown, what was the first thing you went out and did? I think I got an almond croissant from Preston Markets. <laughs> I think that was my big kind of celebratory end of lockdown. Even though I could do that during lockdown, it tasted better though. It tasted like freedom almond croissant. <laughs> it's strange, isn't it? Like just those little things. And it's funny, even though we've been sort of doing the same thing over and over and over again, like my partner and I were almost kind of like, all right, cool, we can go out and do stuff. And let's not. <laughs> but probably, yeah, we, we did get a bit excited though. We booked a night at a pub. And then a night out with, well, following that, out at a restaurant, booked a holiday for a weekend away, I know, right? Actually getting out of the house and somewhere else, and a haircut, which still hasn't happened yet, happens on Wednesday, look out. <laughs> I'm going to feel like a new man, all the wispy bits on the sides are going to be gone. We had a movie and had some friends over for a barbecue. We ended up finding, by accident, a burger place in Laylor, of all places, that was the best burger place I've ever like I've ever had. Shout out to Scullers and Laylaw. This is not a paid advertisement, by the way, but if you live anywhere near Laylaw and you can get Scullers, get some Scullers burgers because, oh my God. It was kind of like hard to justify going to a restaurant when we had that, like around the corner. Sometimes that's all you need though, right? Yeah, but we got to be vigilant and start learning how to leave the house again. We stepped outside for an hour or so and it was like, oh, I'm cold and there are wolves after me. I'm going back inside. One of the last things I did before lockdown, before we finished lockdown was I went to the pub with Mick where we first met Mick mm -hmm. and went and had an eggplant palmy there at the Ed Castle in uh, Brunswick. And the first thing pretty much I did was I'd been thinking about the eggplant palmy for four <laughs> months. <laughs> so we booked in there on Saturday night to go and get this eggplant palmy. Someone stole our table. Ooh. So then we had to go and sit out in the cold. And I shoveled in this eggplant palmy and I wasn't going to let the fact that I was sitting in the cold ruin my night. <laughs> I just had to keep setting myself, don't get ruined by the fact that you're in the cold. Just eat the eggplant palmy. I'm still drinking beer from the tap and eating a meal that someone else has cooked and I'm outside the house. <laughs> and I saw Eddie Perfect there and we sat there all night trying to work out who he was. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Until I had to take a sneaky little photo of him and send it around on my Facebook going, who's this guy? I always get confused with him and Shane Warne. Really? He looks a bit, something about him that reminds me of Shane Warne. I can't work it out why, but yeah, there's a bit of, there's a touch of Warney there. Am I going to betray my Melbourne creds if I don't know who that is? Not Shane Warne, the other guy, Freddie Perfect. Oh, I think he, he's a, yeah, he's a comedian. Oh, okay. I, think. I don't know. He was on Offspring. He was on Offspring. I think he's done a lot of like musical theater and stuff like that as well. So he's not a comedian? I'm not sure. Oh, maybe I'm confusing him with Eddie Izzard. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> I've got no idea. But yeah, he's, he's like an actor. He's done stage shows and things like that. Kind of an interesting dude, I suppose. Anyway, have a beer with him. I'm having a beer right now and it's fantastic. Ben, are you drinking anything? I'm having a cider. It was the only thing in the house. It was the only thing in the house that's a cider. Golden Axe. It's a kaiju brood. For the listeners that don't know, Ben and Mick are in a band together. Ooh, do, do you guys want to run down a bit of uh, Beyonce's fiancés? Sure. Do you want me to go, Mick, or you go? Yeah, I reckon, Ben, you're probably best to speak about it. I'm probably a bit of a late addition, a bit of a ring-in, playing guitar and going to be doing some backing vocals and stuff like that. I'm pretty excited about it. But Ben, you've pretty much put it all together and got it off the ground. So I moved to Melbourne in 2019. I'd been in a band for five or six years called Big Daddy's Disco. And we were, you know, we kind of wound that up on hiatus as I moved here. When I got here, I thought, oh, I'm not going to get into music. I'm not going to get back into music. I'll just let that run its course. And then I started writing some songs. I thought, oh, this is good. This is good. I'll just get, you know, guest singers on to sing the songs for me. So I'll write them and then I'll get guest singers on. And I, I got a, a lad who is in a band called Lance Laser. His name's Lance Laser. And he was in a band called Tough Boys. I got him to sing. 
one, our first song and it was quite good. And I played it to a guy at work and he's like, oh, I'm a bit of a singer. So I, I can sing this song for you if you want. The next one, if you've got another one, I'll sing this song for you. So I wrote this song. I sent it to him and said, oh, do you want to sing this? He said, yeah, that's pretty good. I'll sing it for you. And that's Nick, who's now the singer in our band. And he's like, oh, I'm a bit of a singer. Just, so Just a little bit. He's an American <laughs> lad. Yeah, he was on Broadway. So he's not bad. Like just a little <laughs> bit of a singer. Yeah. So he sang this song, Christopher Walk and Christopher Running, that I wrote. And that went gangbusters, right? So like sent it around. It's, that's gone gangbusters. Like people love it. People think it's the best song I've ever written. So I'm like, oh, maybe we're onto something here. This is all right. I, I loved it the f- second I heard it. It was so great. That, that's probably a, a big reason why I wanted to, I, I got excited and wanted to jump on board as well because I heard it and I was like, wow, all right, this is, this is fun. So that was, yeah. So that was just about, you know, me riding the bus for six months and all the stupid shit I would hear on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick said, yeah, yeah, I'm in. So then we started writing some more and then we're like, oh, we should probably make a band. And so I just started posting on those Melbourne forums about bands, you know. And found Bebek, who's our drummer. And then we met him. He was cool. So we're like, right, cool. Let's find a guitarist. So we posted another thing. We said, oh, let's find guitars and and keyboards, I think. I'll just play whatever. And so then Mick said, oh, I I can play guitars. So we sent him songs and he sent them back. And they were like 10 times better than the guitars that I'd put on it. So I was like, oh, cool. He's in. And then this, uh, this young lad, Isaac, he's like, I play keyboards. And he sent his stuff back and it was better. So we were all ready to have our first rehearsal already and then our first rehearsal was on the night of lockdown five. Oh man i was absolutely gutted because all the other lockdowns previously we'd started at midnight so i had the car packed everything was ready to go and i was so excited because i thought at least i'm going to get some music in before lockdown kicks off yeah and then they said eight o'clock and i was absolutely gutted Oof. so yeah that was a kick in the guts and that that took a while to get over <laughs> yeah. actually so we've got our first practice next week. So if we go back into lockdown, you know it's us. We're all itching for that to happen. We will put links in the show notes to as many of those bands as we can. We should. Yeah, absolutely. Tough Boys, yeah, Tough Boys are still around here. Yeah. We should put Christopher Walken at the end of the episode, if you like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And people will know what we're talking about in regards to that track. <laughs> so you played on Goldie. Yeah. So we released a fourth single and Mick played on Goldie, played guitars on Goldie. And then we're going to release a new one soon and, and Mick will be doing the guitars on that as well. Wonderful. Oh, it's going good. It's been something good to, you know, do during this time anyway. It was hard being creative during lockdown. Mm. It was hard. Like it's soul destroying at times, I think. And to be creative inside of that kind of stuff to get motivated to do it is difficult. But when I was, it was good having the lads to bounce ideas off too. Yeah, definitely. I think it's definitely good to have other people, other moving parts to sort of throw out there and that sort of thing as well. That's right. Yeah, I think there was a lot of pressure. It was kind of like, come on, this is the time off that you've all been asking for. Do something good with it. And if you don't, then it's just like you feel like this pressure that just doesn't help any kind of creative process. I know I didn't get as many drawings or comics out as I wanted to, (laughs) but I did start this podcast, so I guess I got something done. Yeah, well, actually, speaking of that, I'm going to do a shout out to Gregor. Gregor is our other co-host who we haven't heard from for a little while, but he's been a bit of a bit of a casualty with everything that's happened, unfortunately, which is why he's not here and, and might be people wondering where he is. He's still involved. He's not dropped off. He's just, you know, having to deal with life, unfortunately. He's still working very hard behind the scenes and fighting in the time wars. And I actually did see him the other day as well while, while we were out. So that was that was actually good, sort of catch up face to face now that we can. He says hi to everyone, but yeah, we're very much appreciative of what he's done and set up for us. And the other thing, I suppose, we've been a little bit inconsistent with things and, and we've put a few things in place now while he's out of action. We've got a guy called Arlo who is doing our editing for us. He did our episode with us on Wolfbeck. Wolfbeck. Yeah, Arlo is definitely a big help in picking things back up and helping us be a bit more consistent. So from now on out, we're doing fortnightly episodes. We'll be happening every second Monday. If you want to put that in your calendars or not, just to give everyone a bit of a heads up. So thanks to Gregor. Thanks to Arlo. Also, shout out to Mio Bizkin. He's streaming heaps of live gigs on Instagram at the moment, and he has been giving us a bit of love. So thanks to him. Yeah. And also, we've had a patron come on board as well. His name's Abraham Camille. Thanks, Abram. If anyone else wants to get involved and be a bit more hands-on with the show or just get a shout out we'll put a link in there for patron as well but yeah it really helps keep the show running and helps us pay Arlo and that sort of thing as well so thanks heaps really appreciated yeah and patreons get in touch with us in our email and we can organize you picking an album of the week we can jump on discord 
Find us on the socials or send us an email at podcast at jukeboxinsuburbia.com and we can get back to you and organise all that cool stuff for us as well, which would be excellent. Mm-hmm. Do we have anything in music news this, this week? Or is it too early to tell? Uh, too early to tell, I think. But Myra Music Bowl, they had a show on last night with King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, one of my favourite Melbourne bands. Also had Amal and the Sniffers there and Baker Boy played as well. And there was a whole swathe of others as well. Did any of you get along to that show? No, no, absolutely not. I didn't make it. I didn't, no. I was, I was thinking about buying tickets, but then I just kind of missed the boat and everything snapped up <laughs> straight away. I think that's Melbourne at the moment. If you aren't in on the ground floor, then you aren't in. Uh, nah, you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Halloween last night. Apparently Chris Chaney from Living End was serving cocktails and beers behind the bar or doing something in there for Halloween. And pretty cool if you're a living N fan, go and say hi to Chris Chaney, get a drink. Where was he doing that? Cherry Bar. Oh, okay. I saw Johnny Hunter at Cherry Bar. They are the best. <laughs> Have you heard of Johnny Hunter? No, I haven't. No, what kind of stuff is Johnny Hunter? Oh, they're a Sydney band. They do New Ordery, Joy Division, kind of that baritone singing. They are, for me, I think they're the best band in Australia. Johnny Hunter. Oh, yeah, right. sounds very much up my alley. No, oh, they are amazing. Oh, check it out. And like the lead singer is just the most charismatic dude. Yeah. Yeah. They're incredible. Johnny Hunter. Check them out. They got the six stains on the hats. Yeah. Which I'm obsessed with. And yeah, so they're amazing. Yeah. Nice. Mick, what do you reckon is your favorite Melbourne band? Oh, I'm going to probably have to go with King Gizzard. Yep. That's fair. Totally fair. Just because they're just, every time I've seen them live, the show they put on is amazing. They're really genre fluid. They jump between, like, they've, they've put out jazz albums, they've put out instrumental albums, they've put out thrash metal albums, psychedelic stuff, garage rock. It's just a vehicle for anything they want. <laughs> They're relentless too, yeah. <laughs> Which, I'm a weirdo. I, I get I get bored of the same thing easily. They excite me a lot. Nice. We've had a bit of a bit of a yarn this time, but this week we are covering Shez Kane's self-titled album. Came out in 2021. It is. It's fresh. How did we feel about this album, guys? It's it's epic in its ridiculousness. I think. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. Epic and ridiculous. <laughs> Don't you think it's ridiculous? Oh, it's completely ridiculous. I showed it to my partner who, and she's like an 80s aficionado. And I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the show or not, but she dances in an 80s dance trip when the world's normal. And they are completely over the top. <laughs> so I thought she's going to love this album because it's like an... 80s ripoff to a T. It's like Steel Panther combined with Pat Benatar, Paula Abdul, <laughs> maybe a touch of Bonnie Tyler. Yeah. Yeah, there is some Bonnie Tyler in there. <laughs> I think I called it Bonnie Tyler Jovi at some point. Yeah. I've got some Belinda Carlisle in there as well. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, Belinda Carlisle is another good one to try and reference it back to. I like serious music that's obviously a joke, but still 100% completely serious. Committed. Yeah, like they're committed to whatever it is. Like, it's not a joke, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's taking itself seriously while not taking itself seriously. Yeah. And that's what this is. Like, Steel Panther's obviously a parody and things like that. This isn't a parody. This is someone who wants to be an 80s rock star in 2021 and has gone about it and has, has done it, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the the key word is sincerity. Like, yeah. is, like Steel Panther is not sincere about what they want to do. Yeah. But this album is sincerely just, like you said, wants to be a, an 80s album. Yeah. And I got to say, I think that's why I don't like it. But there are some <laughs> definitely, definitely some bangers in there for sure. They call it, it's a term I hadn't heard before. They call it AOR, Adult Orientated Rock. Mm-hmm. So it's its own genre, right? AOR is its own genre. It's huge in Sweden, right? Yeah, right. I've not heard of that before, but yeah. I've never heard of that. So yeah, no, neither did I. Yeah, so it's called AOR. It's its own thing, Adult Orientated Rock. And this is what this is. So <laughs> yeah. And for me, it's just, you know, I just heard it and I was just like, this is so over the top in and of itself, which so, you know, and she can sing. So I quite liked it. Oh man, she is an absolute belter of a singer. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's no arguing about that. She is a talented machine. You know what it sort of reminded me of? Ah, what's her name? She's in Wayne's World. Wayne's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Cassandra. It reminded me of Cassandra's band. <laughs> so, man, she can wail, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, just, it just gave me Wayne's World vibes. Yeah, absolutely. 
So it's written by this Swedish dude, right? So I've never heard of the guy. This is Danny R- Rexon. Yeah, Danny Rexon. Have you heard of him? No. So I, I came across his name when I was trying to find out more information because I always like to try and find out a bit of stuff about sort of background behind this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So did he write all the songs? He wrote everything. Yeah, right. So she was in a band. She was in a band with her sisters called Caned, and then he liked her. And so then he wrote, he had all these songs and he thought, oh, I'll get her to sing them. So I think that he's the one taking it seriously. Yep. Like he's the one who's going, I'm serious. This is the sincere thing behind this. And he's written these songs and she's kind of skewed it towards this. 80s thing. 80s yep. camp kind of thing that it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't get into the songwriting credits, but I, I looked at, and it said that he produced it. I don't know if you found this out, but he's, he was in this band or still is in a band called Crazy Licks from Sphereden. <laughs> with double X, double X. With yeah, yeah, yeah. L I X X, like Nikki Six. Licks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, they're a Swedish band. Like they're influenced, you know, by Gun- Guns and Roses, Aerosmith, Motley Crue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Def Leppard, all that sort of stuff. So I was kind of like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> of course, they're going to work with someone like that. I like how Swedish people sing English songs. <laughs> they do it with this odd pronunciation. <laughs> That kind of hits. It's way Scottish singers sing a bit like that as well. They sing with this kind of accent where they're trying to get rid of their accent, but they still sing it within their accent. Yeah. <laughs> There's something to it. I quite like it. You ever see the commitments and it's that they sing that song, Mustang Sally, and there's the chorus bit. Yeah. Ride Sally, ride. But sort of before they start putting American accents like, Roid Sally, Roid. They're like, not like that. Not <laughs> <laughs> to sing, not Roid, it's ride. So I didn't get a chance to look this up but at some point about halfway through it kind of sounded like that this is a soundtrack to like a rock opera like i started hearing where all the tracks would be in like the story i wouldn't be surprised if i found out that it was meant to be for something like that i started writing the the story down it sounds like a movie (laughs) soundtrack for sure yeah so i reckon it's called better than love and i reckon (laughs) the the plot is about like an 80s glam girl who just follows bands around and she falls in love with like a street tough that doesn't like music. Yeah. (laughs) And all of her friends don't like him. And like, he's like meat headed and controlling. And like, there's a crux point in which she's like, Oh, do I stay with him or do I keep following my favorite bands? And then they get back together and they, they figure it all out and they find their balance (laughs) for their, for their lives. And yeah, totally. I reckon I can put pretty much every track in at a place in the, in the story. It's good stuff. Yeah, that's good. I, all I, all idea is just think back to eighties movies. So I'm a huge Karate Kid fan, Mm -hmm. right? Like the biggest Karate Kid fan, obsessed. Yep. All I think is I listen to this and go, where would this fit in the Karate Kid? Or this could be when they're going on their date, they're at uh, golf and stuff. Yep. And Rocker on the radio comes on. <laughs> yep. And when he's tr- getting chased on the bike, he's, another song could come on in the dead of the night or whatever. Die in the name of love or dead in street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've got notes for where all of this goes in the movie. Like, I've got notes for all of this. I'm really keen to hear your plot points, <laughs> where they're going to be. Especially by the end, I, I got... Um, has anyone seen Short Circuit 2? That was like my favourite 80s movie when I was a kid. I have when I was a kid. Short Circuit 2, did you say? 2. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen Short Circuit 2. Yeah, so there's a bit at the end when he's chasing the bad guy. He's been damaged, he's been hurt, and he repairs himself kind of like hastily, puts like a mohawk on his head, and chases the bad guy to catch him before he gets away, and they play Holding Out for a Hero, and that's like the, my first exposure to that song, and I love that scene. But yeah, I, I totally got vibes. Like, I mean, we could obviously hear a lot of Bonnie Tyler in this, but yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of that in this album too. Yeah, awesome. So what's your favourite song on this, Mick? Is it this? So, should we jump into the tracks? I think we should go track by track, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, it starts with this Better Than Love song, right? That's like the quintessential 80s intro for me. <laughs> Just Yeah. I almost feel like this is off a Lost Boys soundtrack, this opening thing. Something about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, Absolutely. So my mate Lance, who I spoke about earlier, he's in a band Tough Boys, sang on the first single, Beyonce's fiance single. He posted on Twitter and said, hey, I've just heard the album of the year, right? I've heard the album of the year. He got it referred to him by a guy called Andy Dowling, I think, who is in a big Sydney band called Lord. And so Lance said, this is the album of the year for me. So I chuck it on. So chuck on Better Than Love. And I reckon within seven seconds, I just went, Oh, yeah. <laughs> but so it took me seven seconds to go, Lance is on, and Lance is on the money about pretty much everything. And so this was, for me, it was within seven seconds of Better Than Love. Just the keyboard, that's that keyboard start when the guitars come in. We all have that friend who's 
completely in tune with our taste and it's just like whatever they like i know i'm going to like i see i'm not a huge rock guy like i'm not a massive rock guy but for some reason this just instantly ticked a bunch of boxes i don't know why i don't know why <laughs> just nostalgia again yeah it's complete nostalgia i mean this song's got sax solo as well as the keys oh <laughs> yeah the sax solo jesus stunt guitar in there as well how can you write an 80s album and not have a sax solo on it yeah yeah. yeah. This is why it belongs on the Lost Boy soundtrack. It's got that sax solo. All that sort of stuff. Yeah. So that's probably my, my number two. Where did you put this in the plot line, Leroy? So I, I started writing the plot line as of Get It On onwards, but definitely this is like intro, like opening credits. Yeah, this has to be opening credits. Yeah. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it in a movie, but it was definitely sparking those images of soundtrack kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I think I've talked about other albums that sort of take you on a journey from start to finish. I struggled with that a little bit with this one, but it's definitely soundtrack quality. Maybe we'll reorganize the order and we'll draw little like scenes for the Better Than Love movie. (laughs) I might even just play a little bit of Better Than Love. Just the intro, just to sort of give people a bit of an idea of like how 80s this really is. I could just hear noises. Lots of nice reverb on the drums. Guitar riffs are huge. It's just rocks. Oh. <laughs> That's it. This is Bonnie Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. Bonnie Jovi. <laughs> and here's the Bonnie Tyler vocals. <laughs> yeah, it's just so good. It's so cheesy. Yeah, so she's taking off her apron from her, like, day-to-day, like, kitchen job. And she's getting ready for the gig at night, because that's what she lives for, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true, yeah. And she high-fives the guy, yeah, the, yeah. the fry cook on the way out. She high-fives him. He goes, go get him, girl. I'm out of here, man. I'm going to go rock people. <laughs> See you tonight, Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> so you thought you can so fry. What kind of, she's got to have some kind of transport, some shitty transport, like a shitty uh, V-Dub Beetle or something that she gets in. It doesn't start. Oh, yeah, and that comes into the story later, and I can't wait to get to that point, but it's a moped. It's a shitty moped that barely works. Uh, I was I was thinking similar. I was thinking, you know what I was thinking? Suzuki Mighty Boy. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yep. You know those little things that you barely fit an esky in the back of, but it's a ute. <laughs> so, listeners, remember that she's got shitty transport because it's important for the story later on. Anyway. <laughs> that moves us into the next song, which is All Of It. And she wants all of it. She's over the fish and chip shop. She wants all of it now because she's up on stage and she's rocking with a hundred people. Yeah, absolutely. So what's this got, like Def Leppard vibes? Is that what we've got going here? With a little bit of Queen, I want it all. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's an anthem, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. So I think this is my favourite track on the album. It reminds me a bit of Freak Show by Silverchair as well. Yeah. Listen to those solos. They never start the vocals in the verse on the intro. They change keys. They do it in every song. It's a really weird thing. Oh, yeah, there's key changes everywhere. Yeah, it's a very 80s thing to do. Just kind of ramp it up a gear. The tracks are like, what, five minutes long each? Yeah. It's like verse, chorus, verse, and then chorus, 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 yeah, chorus. Yeah, 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 all yeah. with the key change yeah, yeah, up. And it can get a little bit too much. It can be like, all right, shares, we've got it. <laughs> Let's move on. But, yeah. But are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> So the thing about this song is I need I need double time at the end when they're doing the all of it, when they're doing the all of it and they don't give it to you. They don't give you the payoff of double time. Oh. Yeah, and I feel like it needs an extra key change shift at the end there just to really, yeah. you know, like Bon Jovi got it right with Living on a Prayer. They go into that unsingable extra high bit at the end yeah, yeah, yeah. that no one else can sing yeah. except for them. <laughs> but I reckon she could. Ruin many a karaoke night, that song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't it, isn't it awesome watching people slowly die trying to sing that song at karaoke? <laughs> so I've got a question for you. I've got a yeah, question yeah. for you too. Yeah. You guys are you music guys. If you never had to hear a song ever again, what song would it be? You don't have to answer now. You can think about it and go back, come back. But for me, and I'm going to be very controversial here, if I never hear Living on a Prayer ever again, I'd be satisfied. 
I've heard it enough. I've heard it enough. I don't hate it. I don't hate it as a song. It's a good song. I've just heard it enough. I can completely understand why you'd say that. I think it might be Jesse's Girl for me. Jesse's Girl. Yeah, another one. But I've always hated Jesse's Girl. <laughs> that's that's pretty... Like uh, amongst ourselves, that's a pretty that's pretty common knowledge, though. What Jesse's girl? Jesse's girl, yeah. Leroy, he's got it's it's like Steely Dan. Steely Dan's probably another one that you know. So I don't hate I don't hate living on a prayer. I just don't ever want to hear it again. I hate and you mentioned it before randomly. I hate Mustang Sally. Yeah. I hate it. I think it's the worst song ever written. <laughs> I, I hate it <laughs> with a passion. I can understand why though. Yeah, but if I never heard. Living on a prayer again, I'd be fine. I'd be okay with that as well. I'd be okay with that as well. <laughs> so for me, that All of It song, that's probably like my number three on this album, I reckon. Ooh. Yeah, top three for sure. And number two would be the opening track, Better Than Love. Fair enough. Just because it's just such a great way to open something up. It's a very top-heavy album, this one. Yeah, I reckon. I think they get the best tracks out of the way early, which is probably the way that you have to do it in this day and age as well. Yeah, probably. Next track, Rocket on the Radio. So the start of it for me, very ugly kid Joe. <laughs> yeah, I can see that in there as well. I thought it was very Motley Crue. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I heard a bit of Van Halen, but yeah. Ugly Kid Joe is a good pick, by the way. Yeah. I haven't listened to Ugly Kid Joe in years. But uh, Ugly Kid Joe is like more kind of 90s, isn't it? Yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Early 90s? Yeah. But it, it does lend itself a tiny bit to it. There's that kind of crossover. Yeah. For me, I found this song like super cheesy. I think it was just the lyrics. Yeah, we're going to be in a band. We're going to be number one. We're going to get played on the radio. All right. We're making it to number one. We're firing up the charts. Uh, So I kind of saw her not as a musician, but as just like a, not a groupie, but like just a fan. She just wants to follow bands. But you know what? It actually works better if she's the musician. So I think this is the point in the story. We've done Better Than Love, which introduces kind of like the town and the characters. And this is her introduction song. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. I'm going to be a rocket on the radio kind of thing. So yeah, we've already done the the Rydell High meeting everyone. And this is her core piece. I thought the chorus was fun. I didn't super love the verses, but I am a big sucker for a bittersweet like pre-chorus as well. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. This song's super cheesy, but it's catchy as hell. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, super, super catchy. Yeah, but it's a little bit too much. (laughs) (laughs) The sound of the leather boys with long hair, and I knew... I want to be in this this time round. <laughs> yeah, she loves Glenn, and she's not ready to slow down. Oh, it's just, it's just great, but yeah, it's so cheesy. I, I reckon Danny wrote that. You got to remember that a dude wrote these songs. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, the yeah. long-haired leather boys. Yeah, yeah. Every now and then, every like now that you've said it, it's just like ah, oh, yeah. This is this is like a glam guy's idealized yeah, yeah. studio recording. She will love it. <laughs> she will love this. She will love this on a studio recording, working for days and nights just to get it all right. It was on ninety-five point nine and the new hot up and comings. I said, hey, I think I've heard that song before. We were rocking on the radio <laughs> all night long. <laughs> it went a little sloppy there, but that's all right. Rocking on the radio all night long. Yeah, that'll do. Rocking on the radio all night long <laughs> with Danny Rickson from Crazy Licks from Sphere. We got the hits of the 80s in 2010. We just got them, people. No, it's 2002. Terrible, terrible accent. This next track, Get It On. A little bit of Jigga Jigga ZZ Top kind of sound. Yeah, I can take or leave this. Yeah, I, this is my least favourite track on the album. Get It On. That riff reminds me of something. Hear that riff? What is that? It reminds me of something I've heard before. Yeah, it's right on the tip of my tongue. It's like a Foo Fighters riff, I think. Foo Fighters riff? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't got it. Oh, you know what it is for me? What sort of image it conjures up in my head? Like a jazzercise class or something like that. Yeah. Everybody jump. Everybody stretch. It, it's very Eurovision yeah. for me. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, it's that kind of fabricated, yeah. not quite right kind of thing. Yeah. We're talking this album down now, but I, do like <laughs> it. I like it for that fact. Yeah, there's some, there is an air of Eurovision that kind of permeates through this whole record, which for me is a good thing. <laughs> It also reminds me a bit of something you'd hear on a Goonies soundtrack. I don't know why, but I could see like Corey Feldman and Corey Haim just cruising along down the road on their push bikes. No, you're talking my language now. I'm a huge Fell Dog fan. 
So Big Daddy's Disco, we've got a song called Corey Feldman because <laughs> I love Corey Feldman. Excellent. Right? It, that, oh, my God. Have you read his book, Choreography? No, I haven't. It's <laughs> a great title for a book. Do yourself a favor, boys. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is so good. It's like just the most unaware human being you've ever... Oh, my God. It's amazing. <laughs> Have you got an example of unaware? How unaware he is? Him and Michael Jackson just used to dance together all the time, and I'd show him moves, and he'd show me moves. And I'm like, yeah, as if Corey Feldman, <laughs> you showed Michael Jackson how to dance, you idiot. Yeah, no, man, I showed him the moonwalk. So Corey Feldman thinks that he showed Michael Jackson how to dance. Yeah, wow. Do you ever see his, like, musical stuff? Oh, my God. Have you seen... Oh, I've got a, I'll send you guys a clip. There's his stuff on the Today Show... And there's some guys to talk about the five minutes that he was on the Today Show when he was singing his song. And they talk about it for two hours. And it's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that, I, I got to hear that. Because yeah. that was a disaster. If anyone hasn't seen it, look up Corey Feldman and the Angels. Oh, what's the song called? Go, go For go It. Go For It. Yeah, Go it's... For It. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, the worst, it's the worst song you've ever heard in your entire life. Sorry, before we move on, at this point, the track Get It On is the point in the movie when her gal pals are telling her that this dude is bad news and she's ditching them to hang out with her bad boy. Oh, yeah, okay. But he's got a secret heart of gold. Oh, um. So the guy that she likes is the good guy or not the guy, the, the bad guy, and then the good guy's hanging in the wings? No, they're the same guy. So it's like a, he's like a Danny Zuko. He's a bit of a jerk, but he likes her enough that he kind of changes for her. Sure. Yeah. I, this is just the plot that greased. <laughs> <laughs> so Danny, maybe, maybe that's Danny Rickson. Maybe that's how he saw himself. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> We'll go with that anyway. For sure. What was that Corey Feldman song again? Go for it. Go for it, was it? Go for it. With with a four, with a number four. Oh, number yeah. four. It's oh man. It's terrible. <laughs> Excellent. It's some Shia LaBeouf level um like unawareness. Yeah. But there's no one better in any movie ever than Corey Feldman in Stand By Me. Oh he was magnificent. Excellent. So too late for love. I think this is my favourite song. I had this down as a Cassandra from Wayne's World moment. <laughs> she just wails. <laughs> Where he sees Cassandra for the first time. Gangbox Central. Yeah, this is my favourite song. Yeah. She's Beaverham Lincoln. <laughs> What's that band name? Crucial Taunt or something? Crucial Taunt. Crucial Taunt! <laughs> You know, you know that part in I think it's Wayne's World too, where she's where they go and they make the video and she's got the snake around her and she's like up on the volcano. No, that's that's one. Yeah, this could be that song, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, I'm hearing <laughs> the it. The snake's yeah. falling off her. Yep. It's like Bobby Sharp's and Rob Lowe's screwing them over. Yeah. This is the point of the movie where they have the third act misunderstanding breakup, where they're like, she's seen him like cheat on him, but it was a misunderstanding, and they like run away from each other, and yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And if this was vinyl. If you were listening to this on a 12-inch record, record, this would be the end of Side A. Nice. So Side A is pretty good. I think Side B is where we start running a little thin. Where it starts to taper off. Ooh, I, I kind of like a couple of the tracks off this side, but we'll get to them. One of those songs is definitely not Defender of the Heart. No. <laughs> How did you guys feel about this? This is probably one of the cheesiest ones, I reckon. There's a lot of lyrics about being heroes and in the nights, and I'm, I'm okay with that, but there needs to be more of it. Like They need to lean into it and say, Into the night! That was a hero! <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the whole thing. Like, how can you go wrong with the night and a hero? Yeah, I, I need more of that, really. You just need more of it. Yeah, no, we do. And you've mentioned this to me as well with Beyonce's Fiance's works, and we are going to work that out. We are going to squeeze some of that in. Oh, there has to be a song that includes Tonight. Yeah, of course. Tonight. <laughs> defender of the Heart should be Defender of the Night. I don't know, a classically trained Broadway guy is going to sing that, but we'll get it on. We'll give him a character. And maybe it's Corey Feldman. <laughs> I reckon he'd be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. If you if you give him a character, he should be able to embody it. And yeah, yeah. That's put true. on his Phantom of the Opera mask and be like, tonight. <laughs> but it won't sound like this. It's just kind of. Is it happy? Is it sad sounding? Or is it just confused? It's, it's a little bittersweet, which is why it's playing in like this is like very end. They've made up. They kiss and it freeze frames on the kiss and it rolls credits over this song. The other thing this could be. This kind of reminds me of like a Hillsong kind of sound. Yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. It could be. 
there's been an evil guy and the boyfriend's finally stuck up for her when he hasn't been sticking up for her during the movie and now he's the defender of the heart. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, correct. And then it gets a reprise in the credits. Like this is their this is their love theme. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Yeah. I like this collaborative action <laughs> getting this movie yeah. made. <laughs> and I also put here in my notes, it wants to be a ballad, but it just seems to hurt. Yep. It just seems to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite strong enough for a ballad. It doesn't quite hit those highs. Yeah. It's not highbrow. It's not lowbrow. It's just not sure it wants to be. Maybe it's the Hilt song Cult Anthem. <laughs> it just got him down. <laughs> yeah. I felt that way about a lot of this album where it, it, I felt like it could have pushed a little bit harder. But maybe I would have. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was the Swede in it. The Swede, yeah. Just didn't want to go there. Sensible Swedes always dumbing it down. But if you think about it being a Swedish album and it was written by a Swedish songwriter and take Ches Kane out of it. This would be a fantastic Eurovision anthem. Oh. Like, if you saw someone play this at Eurovision, yeah. you'd be like, yeah. winner. Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking about that now. Like, I hadn't thought about that before I'd listened to this. And even when I was putting my show notes together and that sort of thing, I was like, yeah, but it's pretty obvious. It's a Eurovision <laughs> standard. <laughs> How do we feel about You Give Love a Bad Chain? I mean, sorry, Ball and Chain. Yeah, is this the full Bon Jovi riff? It's just a Bon Jovi riff. <laughs> yeah. It's just an absolute rip-off of a Bon Jovi riff. Yeah. It's pretty much living on a prayer. It's got so much You Give Love a Bad Name, though. Yeah, yeah, it's got that in there as well. It's almost the same guitar riff, this bit, as living on a prayer. Yeah. Minus a couple of notes. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's an homage, Mick. An homage. <laughs> yeah, it's an homage. It's a bit like that Weezer album that did Crazy Train that wasn't Crazy Train, but was. <laughs> yeah. If men at work are playing royalties for Kookaburra sits in the old gum tree, I think uh, Ches Kane is going to be up for some Bon Jovi money here. Yeah, I reckon. Well, at least the Swedish producer anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I blame that guy. Oh, jeez. So this is this gets split into two. So the first time this plays, it's during a fight and like all the chorus about being a ball and chain are insults. But then later on, it's a reprise when she thinks back on it. And it's like, they kind of like soft-hearted kind of like, ah, uh, like he's, he is my ball and chain. And you know what? I love him. <laughs> yeah. So she's turning it back on him. Yeah. So she kind of has some time to think about it. And like, she's alone for a little while and doesn't like it. And then thinks about like their relationship. And it's like, yeah, you know what? He is, he is these things, but it's not that bad. You know, she loves him. <laughs> Yeah, it's the same old age-old ball and chain. This is what I had to do because all the tracks are like four minutes long and I got bored, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so what do you reckon, Ben? Hit? No? Yeah. Ball and chain? Yeah, it's a little on the lower side because <laughs> you know my points, my Bon Jovi points, you know. It's no, uh, it's my life or whatever. <laughs> it's my life is definitely up there on the Jovi charts. <laughs> I think it's number. It's my life. Oh no, Young Guns is number one, and then it's my life is two. I think. Yeah, Young Guns, and what's the other cowboy one? Dead or Alive. Yeah, Dead or Alive's a cracker. The two best Bon Jovi songs are about cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. This is Midnight Rendezvous. How Motley Crew is this? Yeah. It's almost like Girls Era. Yeah. A little bit kickstart my heart. A little bit Danger Zone. I think he must have just had a list and just gone right, like listed his 10 favourite bands and just ticked them off one by one. Yep. So remember, listeners, we did talk about her shitty broken down car. This is the point in the movie where she's going to chase him down and catch him before he jumps on a bus to get a, a factory job in Chicago. Her car breaks down and her disapproving friend realises that she can't stop love, throws her the keys and says... Go get him, hon. <laughs> so she's riding through on her friend's, like, souped-up motorbike to get to women time. Excellent. Racing through the traffic, going in between yeah, cars. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is my favourite track on the album, I reckon. This is my favourite track as well. I had this down as my number one. Nice. It's the lyrics in this are super sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> it's Midnight Rendezvous. It's, you know, late night sketchy loving. <laughs> <laughs> and finding a, a willing participant. It could also be like a warrior style, like street fight kind of feel too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty fun. I, I definitely, yeah. This is the, the highest point for me on on the album. Yeah, for sure. And it, it redeems side two of the, of the of the other side. If you had this on vinyl and you were flipping it over, start to finish. Yeah. Taking that ritual seriously. Yeah, I reckon this is going on my actual rotation. I like this song a lot. Yeah, it's good. 
Listen to those guitars. They are just absolutely rocking. It's like, it's full on metal type guitars. Yeah, the guitars on the whole record sound amazing. Ben, you, you don't like the rock stuff as much. How do you feel about this track? Yeah, I prefer I prefer the slow downy, rocky uh, kind of ballads. Great chorus. Yeah, yeah, it is good. It's just fun. This is very Karate Kid as well. Here comes trouble. <laughs> this is Karate Kid when he's being chased. When he's being chased on the bike, like after he's just put water in Johnny at the high school dance and he's getting chased on his bike. Danger! That song, that could replace that just before uh, they kick the shit out of him with the skeleton costumes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's when I hear that. I think that scene. <laughs> Sorry, fight scene. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got some late game power ballads with the last two tracks. Yeah. The next song here was like, Die in the Name of Love. I had the low point. Not sure how to describe this one. It seems not quite Bonnie Tyler, Sidney Lauper, or Paula Abdul, but it could be on a Stranger Things soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's funny, the, the next track is actually by Stevie Nicks, Sidney Lauper, Bonnie Tyler, but yeah, I mean, it's all like 80s power ballads. Have either of you played the computer game Outrun? Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the car game where you're driving along? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This reminds me of like a track that would come on on the Outrun computer game car soundtrack. On the radio, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is very Vaporwave. Oh, yeah. yeah. That whole Outrun thing is just a whole music genre, isn't it? Yeah. Like about that one game, yeah. the, the whole music genre based around just Outrun. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like if you go any on any Synthwave album, there'll just be t- 10 tracks called Outrun. Outrun tonight. Outrun midnight. Yeah. <laughs> Vaporwave is actually really, really fascinating. I mean, like how it kind of like organically came together from a couple of things all at once. Like Outrun, there's a game called Hotline Miami that came out in like 2003. There's that Drive movie. I mean, obviously we're, we're going through a bit of an 80s revival. We've been going through one for like the last 15 to 20 years. Yeah, I mean, Vaporwave and, and that kind of stuff is really, really cool and weird. If anyone is even remotely interested in it, Track down the album, the soundtrack to the game, Hotline Miami. Some high-end kind of like techno vaporwave stuff that's just absolutely fantastic. So there's a a Melbourne group called Power Glove who do a lot of that stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of them? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, yeah, they're all into that. But it really did stem from that Drive soundtrack. Yeah. A lot of it stemmed from that. Yeah, and this track could be, the next two tracks could easily be on the Drive soundtrack. Yeah. That movie's the best. (laughs) I wasn't sure how to rate that one, other than it was just Outrun. Yeah, yeah. I saw Pink Grid Lines for sure. Absolutely. Everywhere. Final track on the album. Final track on side B, Dead End Street. Mm -hmm. So I sort of describe this as like, listen to those keys. Lyrically, it's a bit like the capitalist dream of like, if you can dream it, you can do it if you work hard at it. Yeah. (laughs) Just keep on going, everybody. You can do it. Yep. You want it, you can have it. (laughs) I would love to write a song like that. But then my actual real life sensibility comes in and just goes, no, it's too cheesy. You can't do it. It's impossible. You're not allowed. You and I'm not allowing you to do that, Ben, no matter what. <laughs> so, I mean, what would you want to write? You would want to write some kind of like inspirational kind of like yeah. vapid track. Yeah. Yeah. And I just can't because I'm just like, no, it's too cheesy. It's too cheesy. And then I'll hear a word play and go, oh, that's clever. And I'll throw that in. Then it's lost its if you can dream it, you can believe it kind of thing. If you can believe it and dream it, then you can make it. What if you wrote it, but you actually kind of like subtly like put in there that, that it's like dystopian propaganda? <laughs> I'm not sure from that. What we need but... is Danny Rexon. <laughs> Danny Rexon, how would you put together yeah, the need, lyrics? Yeah, we need, we need Rexon. <laughs> if you just take your pills, it'll all be okay. <laughs> then your dreams will be over. So where's this, uh, where's this coming on the, uh, in the movie? Oh, okay, so in the movie, this track is actually like the breakout song for her best friend who's like living a dead-end life and wants to kind of like change it. And so this is an this is one of those songs that is actually about like a breakout character. It's like the high school dropout song in um, Greece. Is that the best song in Greece? I'm going to give a hot take here. Best song in Greece is Greece by Frankie Valli. See, I'm, I'm, I can't really enter into this because I've, I've probably only watched Greece about, you know, Lucky to be three times, I reckon. Oh, I've got all female cousins. When I was growing up, it's all female cousins, so I've seen Greece many a time. <laughs> I reckon I saw, when I was young, I reckon I saw Greece, what, 20, 30 times, mm-hmm. but then had a 20 year break in between seeing it. And half of it felt like 
was this in the movie that I've seen 20 times? Like, it'd just be like scenes that I'd just completely forgotten about. And I'd seen the movie like 20 times. Yeah, right. Yep. And, you know, that's like, if I see Teen Wolf, like I haven't seen Teen Wolf in 20 years, but if I see Teen Wolf tomorrow, I'd be able to remember every single thing that happened in Teen Wolf. <laughs> so I don't know why I've forgotten Greece. But I think in those kind of movies as well, when you look back at them, there's all this kind of... There's this stuff that's buried in there that you don't realise when you're a kid that is way above your head when you're a kid. And then you, you come back to it and you see it with fresh eyes and it's kind of like, ooh, I didn't realise that was like that. So I guess if you were to ask me to sit down and write down the plot points of like Star Wars, I could do it. Like I could do all three movies. But if you were to ask me to write down what happens in sequential order in Greece, yeah. I don't think I could. But I probably wouldn't be able to get it in order, but I know scenes. Yeah. This is the post credit song as well. So this is long they play after the initial credits. Yeah, right. This was their attempt at a breakaway hit. Do we have a name for... Have you given the main character a name? No. I'm, I'm happy for you to give her a name. So it's not Chez Kane. No, it can't be. Maybe. Chez is... I, yeah, it's not quite fitting the mood, is it? Do we know if that's a stage name? Because it's not a good one. I think that's her real name. It's got to be her real name. What about Carol Thomas? <laughs> yeah, but what do, what do her friends call her? Kaz. Yeah. Kaz Tomo. Yeah, that's right. She's an Australian. <laughs> Kaz T. Yeah, Kazzy T. Kazzy T, yeah, for sure. That's almost as good as Chez, isn't it? Kaz? Kaz. Kazza. Maybe Chez is like Welsh for Kaz. It's, well, she's got three sisters and they were called Caned. Their band was called Keened. So I'm guessing it's not a stage name. Well, maybe it is a stage name. It's just not enough about her on the internet. No, there's not much out there at all. Chez, if you're out there, we'd love to have you on the show. Um, contact us at Jukebox in Suburbia. Email that I know. Drop that in there, Arlo. <laughs> Podcast at jukeboxinsuburbia.com. Like, seriously, like she's only got like 4,000 followers. She would listen to this. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe if you tag her in a post and say, Chez... Here you go. She can fill us all in. Yeah. She can join the Discord and, and chime in and go, no, you've got it all wrong. You're bagging me out, but you love it. Excellent. All the rest of it. I reckon if you saw her live, I reckon it would rock live. Oh, yeah. Like, I reckon this is the kind of thing that being in lockdown hurt her. I reckon if she had these songs and was going out live and playing them, people would be like, fuck, have you seen Ches Kane? She dominates, right? Yeah. Oh, I, I, hope, I hope it didn't hurt her. She'd be like seeing Steel Panther. Yeah. Who are amazing life. I could never get into Steel Panther. It just felt too... A bit too wrong. Mean-spirited. Yeah, totally. Like at the 80s, at the 80s glam, guys. Well, even just like the whole kind of like, we're going to be like jerks. Like, even though it's an act, it just kind of felt kind of like, I don't know, hollow and insincere. Yeah. As well as like, just a little bit mean for no reason. Like, I've got to see Alice Cooper a couple of times, right? And that's the opposite. Yeah. Like Alice Cooper's not mean. Yep. Yep. Like it's like we're all in this, you know, and that's why Alice Cooper's show is a great show, even though it's the same show every time. Yep. Yeah. It's still great. Yeah. I think a lot of bands that I like that are mean, like they make their music sound that way. They make their music sound abrasive and difficult. It's just like, this is something written by someone going through a rough time and he's going to take it out on you. But Steel Panther kind of being like, yeah, you all suck kind of thing. It's kind of, yeah, yeah, okay, buddy. Whatever you want. Yeah. But Chez Kane, like the sincerity in this album, you could hear it. I hope that things do go well for her. Like, she's got a powerful voice. I reckon she'll get on that European kind of festival circuit and crush it, I reckon. With Danny Rexon. To Chez. Let's do it. <laughs> Chez, Chez. Cheers. Chez. May everybody know your name. Pretty much. <laughs> Chez, Chez. Chez. Kane. Chez. <laughs> I'm going to stop now. Are you going to give this whippersnippers? Are you going to give it lawnmowers? Are you going to give it oil cans? What do you reckon, Leroy? Ah, uh, you know me. I've never I've never stuck with the suburban theme. I think I'm going to give it three Robocops out of five 80s reference. I got nothing. <laughs> I liked it. Are we out of five? Yeah, generally. Oh, we're, we're all doing our own thing. You do, you do what you like, buddy. <laughs> so we have a rule in my house. When we go to restaurants, we have to rate the restaurant out of five and no half marks, right? I'm not a half mark person either, so. So no half marks makes things difficult because at three, three is a pass and two is a fail. Yep. Mm -hmm. And sometimes things are a five and you're like, oh shit, I have to choose whether I'm going to pass this or fail this. I'd go, so I'm between three and a four. See, I would go three and a half. But I'll give this a three as well. But it's still <laughs> probably my favourite album of this year at three out of five. There hasn't been much this year that's really kind of gotten me. Mick, what's your final verdict? 
I'm going to give it three windmills. <laughs> windmills, just because it's the 80s thrash windmill, even though it's not thrash. It's just, yeah. there's a lot of hair in this. There's a little bit of speed in there too, like speed metal, not speed the drive. There is a little bit of speed. There's some heavy guitars in there underneath everything. Like you're listening yeah. to it. It's a guitar album. Yeah, the guitars are nice too. I've said it before, but the guitars sound great. It sounds amazing. Like the album sounds amazing. Like the production's world class. Yeah, it's a dominant force, I reckon, the guitars in this album. You know, but this is like, the people don't make albums anymore, right? And I think we sometimes you forget how to listen to an album that there are going to be two or three great songs, two or three that kind of hit you, and two or three that you just don't resonate with. They're just there to fill up the album. Everyone just releases singles now. <laughs> you're, you're giving away our entire podcast thing. <laughs> now they'll see the pattern and we'll never get over it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, there's got to be there's got to be some albums that no miss. Oh yeah. The premise for this podcast is to kind of acknowledge the fact that we are living in a singles kind of environment at the moment. Mm. But albums, let's listen to albums again yeah. and and see if we can find some good ones. Go on the journey and end up, you know, going through a Hollywood movie from 1982 <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> Even albums I love, like I'll get to, like if it's a 12 track album. Albums I love and adore. I reckon I would have listened to the first 10 songs and the last two songs I rarely listen to. I always just go, that's enough. Yeah, it's pretty rare that the last couple of tracks are my favourite, but it happens sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, if A last song for me has to be an eight-minute song with a massive build-up. That's the only way. That's the only reason I'm hanging around for a last song. I'm thinking Freedom by Rage Against the Machine. I'm thinking uh, Weezer Blue. What's the last song off Weezer Blue? Yeah. An epic. Big build-ups. Yeah. Sometimes the end of the album is the opportunity to do something different. It's like, ah, no one's listening at this point anyway. Let's do a different style. Mm. Last week or the week before, we did The Bronx, that new Bronx album. And the last track sounded like, to me, what their next album is going to sound like. I reckon that's what it's going to be. And I, I hope it is. Last tracks can be interesting like that. Yeah. Yeah, my mate Pez loves The Bronx. Absolutely loves them. Oh, here at Jukebox in Suburbia, we are simps for the Bronx. Yeah. Sing praise for that band all day long. Yeah, he's obsessed. Hey, everyone. This is this is Mick from the future. This is an album pick that we didn't really do in our episode that you're listening to right now. But we've decided to go with Benny Sings. The album is called City Pop, and it's been chosen by Abraham Camille, our first patron. Thank you, Abraham. And if you want to get involved with Patreon, just jump on and do the thing. There's links everywhere. Yeah. Tell your friends, uh, rate us on iTunes, jump on Patreon, and subscribe if you'd like to pick an album for yourselves. This one's got to be a bop. And everyone give it up for Gregor in the future. He hasn't been with us for a while. I'll insert some sound effects. <laughs> Whoa. How did you get here, Gregor? <laughs> Don't ask, and I'll tell you no lies. <laughs> oh, Jesus! <laughs> Secret of oh, Gregor. All right, deep in suburbia. Lock up your tool sheds, Gregor's back. From deep suburbia. From deep in suburbia. Have a good time, all the time. <laughs> That's mixed line, come on. I Get do have own. one, I have my own line. I love you guys. Yeah, okay, yeah, love, real original. <laughs> See you guys next episode. Have a good time, all the time.